so many pineapples. This episode is literally stacked with pineapples. I don't know that we've ever had this many pineapples slash pineapple references in an episode. Oh, not yet. I'm wondering if this is going to happen more often, but we'll see, Maybe. I guess. So we're counting, we're counting when they verbally reference pineapples. Yeah. At, at least we have been. Yes, because the, it really hasn't been frequently enough for it to be throwaway. Right. Like, it's, it's, it feels meaningful when they say the word pineapple. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll obviously talk about what pineapples we find along the way, friends. But just for the record, there are three and it is going to be a lot of pineapple hunts. So get your headphones ready. I hope you like that jingle because it's a coming. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we start our podcast, Kaylee? It's showtime. is to, to the blueberry. blueberry i am alexis and i am a real life gus i'm kaylee and i am a real life sean we are a best friend all-american duo who decided <laughs> kind of on a whim that we were going to start a podcast about our favorite show psych just so we had a good reason to talk to one another every week so and it worked <laughs> yeah it's working really well in fact but uh, we will rewatch Psych. We will talk about our favorite moments. We will do all of the great things. Uh, and we will, as always, ask for you to reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the, this episode. Feel free to reach out to us at podcast at gmail.com. Please and thank you. Alexis, we are on season two, episode eight. Um, Rob my baby. I I do love I do love the title of this one. All the this hyphens. One, this one might be my favorite episode. Really? I It's something about the creativity of the crime mm-hmm. as well as something else that'll be quite a spoiler, so I'll wait till we get there and then I'll tell you why I love it so much. I'm just going to go ahead and say I love how much Vic we get. Yeah. Okay, no spoiler there. Um, she's amazing. Kristen Nelson slays it. Uh, I'm going to sing our praises all episode. That's what we got to do here. <laughs> we start in 1987. We're getting a very intense dialogue with Henry. And he's like, and there's a guy who comes in with the pliers. And he's wearing the goggles and probably some kind of fire retardant coverall. And there's just, there's fluids everywhere. And then this other guy comes in with the hydraulic lift. <laughs> And baby Sean goes, and that's how babies are born. I guess? So, wait. Back up, Dad. How are they made, though? Like, how are babies made? And at this point, I will say, baby Sean is looking a little... A little old for this conversation. He's he's aging up. He's starting to look like he's maybe hitting 11, 12 in age. Uh, well, so I guess, like, from reference... We, I think he's probably 10. Because, because in previous, 86 yeah. with Scary Sherry, he said he was 9. Now it's right. 87. I mean, child actor Sean. Yeah. I mean, previously, even in this season, child actor Sean looked looked like he could have been 7, 8, mm-hmm. 9. Now he's looking a little 11, 12 to me. Just based on my familial reference point of children of the age. Um, so, But I, it, I do think 10 is an okay... Like, 10's probably an appropriate age to have the birds and the bees talk. Um, you know that question's getting asked earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think I had my first talk at like 6. But my, my mom was really into details. Like, not in a gross way, like in a scientific way. Yeah, she's like, alright, we're getting clinical. Yeah. And I had I had an aunt who was an, a nurse, so, like, she often got way too clinical. <laughs> but, I mean, it keeps it from being interesting and enough for a kid to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there was, there was no follow-up to that. So, for baby Sean, he's, he's really not getting a lot um, of, of 
relatable content from Henry. <laughs> Mostly because Henry's deflecting it. After Sean asked how they're made, he said, well, more important question, how many hats are in the room? Because that's what Henry None. does. <laughs> and he's like, hats? And he's like, how are hats made? Uh, uh, I hear in, mostly in China these days. <laughs> and he's like, maybe I'll just go ask mom. And then Henry's John, like, stop. no, wait, uh, uh. And he, he, he's searching for words and then he gives up. And he says, tuck in your shirt before you talk to your mother. Wow. Wow. Dereliction of duties right there. This man is is on the struggle bus. This this poor woman. But, you know, I can't relate. If it's not my child, I'm always like, you have to ask your parents. Because I'm not in charge of the guidelines right now. But, <laughs> if I'm allowed to deal with the situation myself, I'm coming up with something better. And probably something <laughs> boring and true. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, better than hydraulic lifts and goggles. Yeah. And fluids... Everywhere, fire retardant coveralls. Fluids fluids everywhere is not like an untrue statement. The guy comes in with pliers. Okay, maybe. maybe (laughs) Forceps? I don't know. We cut to present day. Sean and Gus are on a walk and talk. And they are so excited because Chief Vic has called them in to talk about a top secret case. It is big and top secret and sean is so pumped because come on those are two of our favorite 80s movies which have you seen them both no oh girl oh anyone who has not seen top secret it is oh i can't okay you need to because it plays in so well with something that we are going to continue to reference, and this is such a good episode for it. Val Kilmer pop culture references mm. and a missing co-worker at the SBPD. They are referenced often. We do not meet them. And they... Until much later. Right. We get both in this episode, and I want to put a big old pin in that. Season 2, episode 8... Let's, let's go. (laughs) Well, while they're walking and talking, if you look at Sean's shirt, he has on a plain blue polo shirt. And on that shirt, there is a little tiny pineapple logo on like insignia on his chest. And it's, just barely noticeable. You have to be looking for it, but it's 100% it, there. It's very apparent in, like, another scene in this same day. But this is where it first shows up, so we're going to call it in. Um, and if you if you continue to watch, you will notice it. it. It is very clear in some scenes. They have all these ideas about what Chief Vic could be calling them in about. There's this, like, big yacht case, this big stocking case that has to do with somebody stocking models. There's a blimp case. Lingerie models, my friend. Ah, yes. International yacht bandit case. (laughs) Some guy stocking lingerie models and something much more vague about a blimp. (laughs) Sean and Gus just start going... Blimp rides, blimp rides, blimp rides. They're doing this little <laughs> song and dance to go along with it. I did, I am not relating to that. I don't at all want to be in a blimp. Of all the things I could be up high in. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't seem that much more exciting than a plane to me. It, like, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Very 1940s. Let's, let's talk about um, hot air balloons. Totally different conversation. I think I'd be petrified, but I think I'd have fun. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be, like, cool at first and get old really fast. It could. That's true. I don't know. Chief Vic pulls them into the office. Close the door. Shut the blinds. This is big. Ooh. She is 100% clear that this is strictly confidential. And it involves a nanny. A nanny on the run? A nanny arsonist? Does she ride a blimp by chance? Did you forget the nanny serial killer? Question mark. 
Um, no, I need you to hire me a nanny. Sean's super not sold. They're just dumbfounded. And then we go to our opening credits. (laughs) And Vic is, what I have written is, she says, help. I need your help. She's at her wit's end. She has not slept in weeks. She can do the real research. She can do the background checks. She can do the drug tests. She can do everything else, but she really needs them to get a read on the best possible candidates psychically. Sean feels like this is not the best use of his psychic resources. And Chief Vic, in her very, very tired state, snaps back and says, your resources are best used exactly as I say. You're not my number one choice, Mr. Spencer. I guess her nephew had been nannying for her previously, but he went away to nursing school. And so she has been without a nanny and it has been very hard on her, which I'm 100% by, not only as a working mother, but as an interim chief of a police department. Is she still interim at this point? She is. Okay. So he starts going, yes, but I mean, we could also be on this Yacht Bandit case too. I'm getting some psychic. And she's like, no, 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 no. I need you to focus. This is top priority. It's not like you would take private cases while you are working on a police case, right? (laughs) I love how Sean and Gus react to this because it's such fake, like, no, 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 of course not. Never, never, never. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so this scene less so, but um, in further scenes, we get a much more, okay, so she's like quietly seething and like, whisper yelling at him and it's very scary like she it's terrifying to me i'm like don't make this woman mad she will murder you and no one will ever find out how yeah just yeah just help the chief (laughs) come on so the boys walk out of her office like they have nothing left to say against this because she holds their fate in her hands literally (laughs) And we get um, Lassie, still with his sling, delegating. There are people with boxes. He's yelling, you take these files, you take these files. Dobson, I want you on tactical. Where the hell is Dobson? (laughs) We don't see Dobson, but he's missing. And Sean is gazing wistfully at, you know, the the bullpen uh, activities. He says, look, Gus... A real case. Sad face. He's very disappointed that he's not working on that yacht case. (laughs) But we head back to the psych office. Gus is taking this seriously. And um, Sean is just complaining and resisting and complaining and resisting. Oh, Gus very astutely says, we need to stay on Vic's good side. If we get on her bad side, like, we'll stay there forever. The there's no there's no getting out of this case that she's put us on. And he's like, help me go through these online profiles. And Sean says, dude, if they're posting online, they're too desperate. Do you remember that time that you were on matchmaker.com? Which is a is a reference to the real match.com. match.com. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you had all those matches and they were complete freaks. Like all these women were weirdos. It's because you put on there that that I was looking for a woman who was strong enough to hold me. I didn't think they'd take it literally. (laughs) Sean's like, I have the solution. Why don't we go to a playground in in a good neighborhood and try to poach a nanny that already has a job, not somebody who's currently looking for a job, which is like recruiting 101. Right. All the good nannies are taken. So then we go to the playground and... They're walking and talking and making their way to the benches. And Sean is eating jelly beans out of a weird little box. And pineapple plus movie theater popcorn is disgusting. (laughs) I mean, really horrible. But I can't stop putting these in my mouth. (laughs) And he's like spitting candy out. And then a little girl walks by and Gus is like, dude, stop. You're scaring the children. And then the girl kind of stops. And (laughs) Gus creepily is like... Hello, little girl. Would, Would you, you like, like some candy? candy? 
<laughs> Not Gus offering candy to children. So that is our second pineapple reference. The, you know what's not a good idea? Pineapple and movie theater popcorn jelly beans. These are disgusting. Really horrible. Why can't I stop eating them? And that's our horrible for the episode as well. Yes, I love a horrible. Um, Gus is over it. He tells Sean they're splitting up. He is not hanging out with him if he's going to be spitting and scaring small children. And then <laughs> oh yeah, Gus. Offering last- candy to them is not scary at all. Oh my god. these This scene is so cringe. But before they fully part ways for the time being, Gus snatches the jelly beans away from Sean, who then thanks him because he's really just saving him from himself. (laughs) Sean walks up to a little bench that has a couple of nannies chilling on it, and he kind of eavesdrops and hears that the nannies talking about all of these houses around the fancy neighborhood that they work in being robbed. And... They are kind of like talking, but then they look up and they notice that Sean is just lurking because he's trying to listen to what they're saying. And he introduces himself as a Manny and just starts yelling at random kids. Yes, but he calls them Perry, Luke, which is a 90210 reference to Luke Perry. Um, But there are little twin boys, so they just assume that he's their Manny and um, they they're asking him if he's with an agency. He's like, no, no, I don't model. Strictly a Manny. <laughs> I guess all of the neighborhoods in that area get their nannies from a nanny agency called the Red Balloon Agency? The Red Balloon something agency? I think it's just Red Balloon Agency. Okay, um, cool. But uh, the, this neighborhood is called The Heights, and um, the Eastern European nanny named Jeannie says that Ada wants to get reassigned because she doesn't feel safe working in the Heights anymore because of the crime. Because three houses have been robbed, and it's they're all being robbed in the middle of the day. Middle of the day, um, and three that we know of, Ada says. Right. Like, she's freaked out, and Jeannie says, I don't know why you care. It's not like it's your stuff they're stealing. But she's like, it. it's around us. It's It feels risky. So this led me to a brief deep dive on the difference between burglaries and robbery. Because... Oh, do tell. Yes, because we get both terms kind of thrown around in this episode. Burglary is breaking and entering with the intent of committing a felony crime. And it has the potential for violence, but not the inherent threat of violence. Um, Robbery is a crime of theft committed through fear or force. So usually if no one is home and there are no witnesses, it's pretty clearly burglary that occurred. Mm -hmm. And a robbery is when someone like holds a place up. Oh, they're both potentially theft. And then, yeah, we get, we get a steady flow chart of crime in this episode. (laughs) We'll get to that later. We cut to Gus who is, walking up to other nannies and sits down and just creepily asks one of the ra- one of the random nannies how they feel about spanking. He's like, how are you feeling about discipline? Are you in favor of spanking? And then a small child's ball passes by. This woman's face, this poor woman, like having to sit next to this man who objectively like sat down being cute and normal. And she said, oh, w- which kid are you here with? And he's like, oh, no. Here alone. No kids. <laughs> like, why are you sitting down watching children? You're not even eating a lunch. It's not like you're just taking a break. When the kid comes up, he asks the kid who his nanny is. And when the kid doesn't really see him or know, he's like, oh, well, if no one's paying attention to you, wouldn't it be easy for you to be taken? And I was just like, Gus. Um, so the nanny was there, the kid pointed her out, but she was on her phone and reading a magazine. That's it. That's multitasking at its best. (laughs) As the kid runs away, Gus looks at the nanny that he's sitting with and says, kids, I just want to eat them up. Oh my gosh. And, uh, yeah. That's the beginning of their demise. 
So Sean and Gus are both lurking behind trees and then they end up like meeting and Gus is like, no one is talking to me. Tell me the truth. Do I smell weird? No, the usual jerk chicken and new car smell. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get buzz. So I love buzz. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, the Cops got called because there's two creepy guys hanging around the playground, scaring the children and the nannies. And Gus and Sean go, yeah, I uh, haven't seen anybody. (laughs) And then there's a beat and they kind of realize it's them. And (laughs) we get get a A little walk and talk. Yeah, a little walk and talk back to the cruiser with Buzz. And Sean says, if you have a Jackie Earl Haley moment, you really want it to be from Bad News Bears. Maybe Maybe breaking breaking away. But definitely not little children. (laughs) (laughs) Buzz is trying to apologize and be nice and said, hey, I'll take you guys wherever you need to go. Which, in my mind, is a pretense of of Buzz showing the family that he's putting them in the cruiser and taking them away. Oh, yeah. He for sure has to, like, follow through on that. Yeah. He's not arresting them um, because it's John and Gus. But the walkie from his car breaks in and we get a call of a 459 break-in somewhere in the Heights. And they're like, take us to that. And so they all get in the cruiser and they head to the 459 break-in, which well, I they also up that I hope is true. super lie to Buzz. He's like, really? And they're like, oh yeah, totally. Um, the chief said if we encountered any of the crimes in this area, we should definitely just check it out while we were here. And we did skip part where Sean calls out Gus for like glasses acting, where he's taking oh. off his glasses every time he talks, like Dave Caruso in CSI Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but yes, so we. Get a, we get a, okay, this is not the first or the last time this happens to our boys, but we have a tiff over sitting shotgun, and then they both end up in the front seat, just like smack fighting each other. Yeah. Like, seriously, children. They are ready to walk in. Gus is still very hesitant. Chief Vic said, do not work on any other cases. And Sean said, well, we've been working on the the nanny case all morning. This is like a coffee break. And we see a dead body rolling out. Best coffee the break ever. The coolest coffee break ever. <laughs> and then he quickly um, sees a hexagonal uh, sign in the bushes that says Star Trek. Which I definitely wrote is Star Trek. Well, it, the font is Star Trek. Yep. The whole thing is Star Trek. Um they head inside, they see that the security system light is green, which means that someone has likely disarmed the security system. Yes, it's got, like, it's green and it's under the check mark, so I was, like, correctly disarmed. Or, like, not currently active. They felt like whomever came in disarmed the safe, disarmed security, found the safe, robbed them, and then killed the guy. And it was pretty easy. And Sean starts referring to the victim as Mr. Tea Time because there's chamomile tea on his coffee table. There's medicine. There's tissues. Gus is like, this is disgusting. Hasn't anyone ever heard of cleaning? But it looks like, and we get a little bit of this in our breakdown, the guy came home sick. Our previously nonviolent thief was surprised. He grabbed the first thing he saw, which was a lamp, it looks like, in the bedroom, and brained this guy. And it looks like maybe it wasn't even like murder on purpose but like incapacitation gone wrong um just out of desperation so we've gone from burglary to robbery to murder sean thinks that there's a pretty good chance that this is connected to the the robberies that the nannies have been talking about at the park but we're looking at the closet window and we see vic duck chief vic (laughs) (laughs) and they do this little like squat walk and sean said I think walking like this makes everything more exciting. He looks really excited. Smash cut to the SBPD. And Gus is going, dude, this isn't okay. The chief's not going to like this. And Sean's like, no, no, no. 
relax, all right? I'm gonna get some very strong psychic vibrations. It's all gonna come together. The nannies and the robberies, we're gonna be on the case. In this scene, Sean and Gus have switched stripes and plaid again. I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote stripes versus plaid, yeah. Yeah. Weird. I don't know why in this scene, but okay. Mm. Wanted to make a note of that. In the corridor, Chief is berating Lasseter. And then Lasseter lashes out at Jules. And then the Chief goes over to the coffee machine and can't get anything to work or dispense and has a full meltdown. Do you have some quotes for me? No. Oh my gosh. Meltdown was the word that I used as well. Yes. But it was like, who drinks the last cup of coffee and doesn't make a fresh pot? Who does that? What kind of person? It's like yeah. very weepy voice, like desperate at the end of her rope. They head into the office and... Well, they oh. try to run away and then Chief catches them and she's holding what looks like a canister of decaf to me. Decaf coffee. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I'm pretty sure she's got decaf coffee. Yeah. What's the good in that, Chief Vic? Anything in a green canister that isn't like green mountain coffee makes me go that's sus but maybe yeah. that was like her, the next point of her meltdown and then she grabbed the boys <laughs> she wants oh sean has his his psychic moment and she said um can you tell me who the murderer is unless you can name me the murderer in 10 seconds i'm not interested 10 9 1 no and they just kind of stop and say, well, we're down to our final three candidates. Oh, good. good. Total lie. Big thumbs up. She's so happy. Every time she sees them, she's like, everything's okay because you found me a nanny. And then they're like, uh, no. And then she's like, what? <laughs> so they're down to their final three candidates and she's so happy. And she's like ready for them to leave because she wants that final candidate. Sean starts listening to Juliet and Lassiter talking and he wants to eavesdrop on them. And so he starts asking them about ordering a pizza with him and uses his full on Motorola razor phone razor. <laughs> to take pictures <laughs> of, of all of the files that are sitting on the desk. And ultimately we get the MO from Lassie and Juliet. They say that they are always happening in the, it's always a daytime burglary. They are always finding the hidden valuables and stealing them, and they're always able to disarm alarms. So the whole point is clearly that no one is home, they're at work, they don't want to hurt anybody, and then, oops, now they're a murderer. So it's like... Like I said, very clever crime. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much. It, like... This is a very, I don't want to use the word um, victimless crime, but it's like, it's designed and pointed out so nobody gets hurt yes. physically. Well, they're not supposed to. And we've already had them fail at this. So. Right. Yeah. Um, back at the psych office. Oh, and Gus is interviewing nannies because he really wants to get on Chief Vic's good side. He has been taking this serious from moment one. He had very interesting ideas on... Using reverse, psych reverse psychology on 10-year-olds and stuff. He had some pretty interesting quotes early on where we can tell that Gus, like, really cares. Yeah. He's, like, asking the deep questions. And we'll get some more of those later. I'm sure you've got some written down from his interview snapshots that we get. Um, but Sean comes in and he's finally like, mm, no to all three. And, Sh and Gus is like, what are you talking about? I've been interviewing these three and they're all great. And he's like, uh-uh. Um, one you just finished up with, she's a slob. One beside her, psycho. The other one, slut. And he's like, explain. So the ginger slob is subtly trying to sniff her own armpit. The psycho has been writing the same sentence over and over and over in her diary since Sean walked into the building. And it doesn't matter what that sentence is. Nothing is making that behavior okay. <laughs> There's no sentence in the English language that makes that behavior acceptable. And then Fiona, we learn, is our final candidate. And Sean's like, oh, that reading? That was maybe just from her future. And they wave at each other. And he does a whole, like, kiss thing. Hmm. 
But, but then, then he notices that she has a bridal magazine and she has like vows tagged in it. She has a lot of tabs on that magazine. Yeah. He said she's assumed by her wedding she's gonna get married and then she's gonna pop out her own kids and then we're back to square one. Which is very, very sexist I'm gonna use the words of Sean to say because you and I both got married and did not pop out kids, but okay. That, yeah. I support his argument for if she's this uh, meticulous about planning her wedding, she is consumed by it, and mm-hmm. I did, that much tracks. He didn't need to add all the other stuff because that's, yeah, sex isn't new. Yeah. He comes to this realization that it's likely that the robberies are inside jobs of some sort because he knows that at least two of the victims had StarTech security. We get that from his stupid Motorola Razor pictures, by the way. Yes. And then uh, we are at StarTech Security. And we start out with Lassie and Jules. Oh, and the really dumb security guard who is like, a lot of people get too overconfident with their security systems. And they do little things that cause them to get robbed, like not turning the system on. And... Juliet said, so you're telling me that all four of these people just forgot to turn their alarms on? See, I I had that this guy was like felt over important in his job, but it was a cogent point. Like, just because you have a security system and you have that sign in your front yard, maybe it makes you a little overconfident and you do forget to do important stuff, like basic stuff, like locking your doors and like setting your alarm. I would agree to that statement if it was one house. Yes. But not four houses in the same neighborhood. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's too much of a coincidence. Um, Leroy Gibbs would not agree to that. <laughs> no. But it's like, it's a point worth making, but when there's a pattern like this, it's like, mm, maybe come up with another idea. <laughs> For like at least three of them. Sean comes in with another worker and said... I, sorry, I just wrote Star Trek doors because the doors open and, and close. And the sound is made. Yes. It's, it's all the just, same, yeah. It's all the same. Sean said, what I'm going to need from you, Spock, is a list. And the guy just snaps back real fast and said, I just told you, yes, I am second in command, but my name is Gary Mills. Sean's just like, I'm at a loss. You have to talk to Bones and get back to me. <laughs> um... I want to say that in this scene, and it is not the first time, this has continued to happen because everyone's so on edge in this episode, Lassie keeps cutting off Juliet. Like, mid-sentence, mid-point, he's talking over her, he's cutting her off, he's stealing her ideas. Like, he is even less um, aware of his own actions and his own tone because he's lashing out because Chief is putting so much pressure on him. It's ugly. I hate it. I 100% wrote Lassie is being a dick to Juliet. Yes. Oh my god. So Sean's like, oh, hi guys. What are you doing here? I was just in the neighborhood. My ears tingled and then they got pointier. And then my hands started doing this. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing the uh, live long and prosper um, Vulcan hand thingy. Sean felt like there was a connection between this place and the robberies. Because there have been four homes that have been broken into, all of which have StarTech security. And Sean actually sees the addresses on the board in his little, like, hyper-observant way. Um, But Sean is very, very excited that Juliet is getting all of his Star Trek references and Lassie is not amused. (laughs) The security guard... (laughs) Sorry. He looked at Lassiter and said, you look really familiar. Did you ever teach at the DeVry School of Technology? First of all, the DeVry School of Technology is a pop culture reference in and of itself. Um, But it's also really funny that they were, that was the reference that he made to Lassiter. Because Lassiter does kind of look like that. But okay, I digress. Um, He was like, I don't, it's not an inside job. There's no way we would have done it. If we would have robbed homes, we would have gone to a place with a higher income bracket. And he holds up this picture of a, of a big house and he's like, I would have robbed this place. And he talked about why he would have robbed that place. And I was like, dude, don't be dumb. And then Lasseter's like, oh, really? How? 
But I, I just wrote, security guy thinks there are bigger fish to fry. And I was like, I mean, he makes a valid point. They're going to know the ins and outs of, like, who's worth robbing just from putting the cameras mm-hmm. in there and the secu- system in there. But, I mean, if it's probably easier to get a, I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's still whatever. Anyway, um, does Gus call Sean or does Sean call Gus here? I'm not sure, but they end up on the phone. <laughs> Gus is looking for a nanny still. Sean's like, okay, cool. You look for a nanny. I'm going to take the burglary case, uh, but I'm going to take your blueberry to go case some houses. And Gus just goes, not my echo. (laughs) Which is another side goog I did. Okay. Because the echo and the Yaris are very similar um, cars from Toyota. But the Echo stopped being made in 2005. It was a much lighter, cheaper vehicle. Um, well, it stopped being distributed in, in most places in 2005. And um, it didn't have any airbags. It was a much lighter car. Uh, the Yaris has at least three airbags okay. and um, is a heavier car and has lasted longer. I think they're finally discontinuing it because, I mean, this is America and we're not buying subcompact cars. <laughs> but I still love them, and I, I still high key want one, <laughs> just so that it can be my uh, little berry car, whatever color it is. It, there's a berry for it. <laughs> Sean ends the call with him and said, "I don't have to depend on others to drive me around." And we cut to the next scene where Sean and Henry are in Henry's truck, <laughs> and Henry's like, uh, "Remind me again what exactly we're doing here." We're looking for my kinkajou. You're what now? Dermot Maroney had one named BB Love. But not mine. Mine is called Red Hot Monkey Love. It is a um, 12-inch long mammal that had become quite in vogue as pets. Yes. And if you don't know who Dermot Mulroney is, he often gets confused for Dylan McDermott. They are both attractive brunette men. <laughs> Who also look slightly alike and have really confusing names. So don't yeah, feel my, bad. My brain mixes them up all the time. <laughs> um, Henry's like, dude, cut the crap. The only reason I'm here is because you agreed to mow my lawn. So tell me what's really going on. Sean admits they're on a recon mission. <laughs> and he was like, well, why didn't you tell me that from the beginning? Well, because it's more fun to say kinkajou. <laughs> um... So they finally get to the house that was robbed that Sean wants to take another look at. And Henry full out goes, well, that's a stupid house to rob. And he gives Sean a a Henry test and said, tell me why of all the houses on the block, that would be the worst house to rob. And first, Sean notices the camera doorbell. He notices the security system. He noticed that the neighbor, one of the neighbors are on vacation and then the other neighbor's house is completely hidden by trees and bushes. Yeah, the neighbor on vacation didn't even bother to suspend their newspaper. They're just piling up, letting everyone know that nobody is there to get the papers. Why would you choose the house with the security camera, the camera doorbell, and bars on their windows? This house wasn't chosen by chance. There has to be a reason. And then the music cue was full on a bum, bum, bum. (laughs) It was so beautiful. And then Sean goes, there can only be one. And Henry's like, what? I thought we were dying doing lights from Highlander. And then he goes, that sensation you're feeling. That's the quickening. Which, okay. (laughs) Henry in the next scene, or in the next moment goes, Anyone can do Connery. Your Lambert sucks. Which, for the record, lots of people can do Connery. Sean and I are not those people. (laughs) Because Rode's Connery was not on par with, you know, anyone else's. (laughs) I can't do either, so no judgment. Um, And then, uh, as they're heading back to the the truck, Sean sees Jeannie, the um, vaguely Eastern European nanny, walking down the lawn and she's got um coach sunglasses on and he's just like 
Dad, back me up here. Uh, Nanny wouldn't be able to afford coach sunglasses, right? No. Nannies are severely underpaid. Haven't you ever seen Nanny 911? No, I've been trying to catch up on the dog whisperer. I wish I had one when you were a kid, Sean. Oh, don't beat yourself up. I guess up. He, he, <laughs> he went into this big, long spiel. Henry went into this big, long spiel about how the right nanny can make such a big difference to a child who has behavioral issues or problems. Because children are hellions. Like, <laughs> yeah, they are. That's what he but says. they're also children. No, well, that's what he says. And um, in reference to <laughs> Sean saying, because children are our most precious resource. <laughs> that's <right. laughs> Which is what Gus said earlier. Like, no, because they're manic hellions and the right nanny can make all the difference and the women on that show are brilliant. Sean's like, I know I got all my best qualities from mom, but no, I guess that's it. End of statement. <laughs> we end up back at Chief Vic's office and Sean starts to have a vision about the nannies being the criminals. It's a ring of nannies that are burglarizing these houses that are the thieves. The thieves towards their Ackroyds and Belushis? No, neighbors. Neighbors. <laughs> The entire time Sean has been talking to Chief Vic, she's been sleeping with her eyes open. So creepy. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone sleep with their eyes open in real life? No. It's rough. Oh. I'm not going to lie. Drew does it sometimes, and I have a hard time with it. I mean, I witnessed someone having a seizure, and it kind of looked like that, and it was very terrifying. Yeah. Um. But she said she learned it on stakeouts, and I was like, honey, then you weren't staking out. She's like, did you want a nanny for me? Because when Sean said, <laughs> When John said no, she said, then why are you here? Because I've been getting some very distinct vibrations and about the nannies and the, the robberies and these. She cuts him off and starts doing that quiet whisper screaming that Kaylee was talking about earlier. She is so frustrated that Sean straight up did not listen to what uh, what she had told them and said, let me make this very clear. You are fired. From which case? All of them. <laughs> chills. Yeah. Literal chills. We go back to the psych office and Gus is furious. Um... Sean basically says, all right, it's going to be fine. We're going to get back on our good side. You're going to find the nanny and I'm going to solve the murder. And voila, back in our good graces. She loves us again. (laughs) He's like, it's going to be so much better now because we're renegades. It's so hardcore. I don't feel like a renegade. I feel depression. I feel like we're late on payments for rent. I feel like we have to do this. So in this scene, there's not only like... A package of bagels on top of their fridge because Gus is making himself some kind of a jam sandwich at this moment. But there are also exposed bagels sitting on a platter on top of their fridge just getting stale. (laughs) Which offends me. (laughs) As a lover of bread (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not wasting food. It would be one thing if it was like on their table, but for it to be on top of their fridge means that they have discarded them essentially gus isn't even putting anything on a bagel he's putting something on bread in this scene and i'm like what is happening in your kitchen boys anyway he says he wants to uh sean says he wants to go undercover and he needs to get in to see more about the um the agency and he says come on it's gonna be like my two dads no (laughs) um does (laughs) i think gus says there's a reason that show was canceled sean Come on, I was going to let you be Greg Evigan. Oh my gosh. So, it's a no from Gus. And then we're at a coffee shop and Jules is on the phone. She's holding a pastry. She's got coffee clutched to her chest with her arm. And she's on the phone clearly with Lassiter, who's being a pill. Yeah, Lassie being dick. I have it in here again. (laughs) Juliet thinks that stir tech is a dead end, but Lassiter just keeps cutting her off, keeps stopping her. And it's just a whole thing. Like, he clearly isn't going to let her pursue any other avenues while he's working on that. Because he just wants to dictate, dictate. So she finally is like, I'm going through, I don't know. And then she hangs (laughs) up. And she, like, takes an angry bite out of her pastry. And I'm just like, get it, girl. 
<laughs> Please let me eat my frustration in peace, Sean. <sighs> I don't have a lot for this scene other than Sean is like, I'm sensing a dark cloud over you and I and a a a, a dark eyed raccoon? He's he's so angry and and sleep deprived No she <gasps> It's Chief She's turning into Chief Coon and she's taking it out on Lasser and he's taking it out on you and it's starving your chi, Juliet. <laughs> and then 99 rent balloons start playing. <laughs> Sean gets down on his knees and says, Marry me, Juliet. Everyone starts and clapping. <laughs> everyone. Everyone's applauding. She literally lifts him off, up off the ground, but this is such a wonderful music cue. Because the next thing we get while the music is still playing is Gus doing a montage of looking for nannies. Yeah, I wrote one, two, three, nope. Because he's got one person he's asking about ferberizing the baby. And she goes, I would never. That's disgusting. So clearly she has no idea what ferberizing is. and I don't think I know what ferberizing is. Okay. Okay. And I want people to sound off if I'm wrong because I didn't look it up. But I am pretty sure... It is a behavioral way of dealing with getting your child to sleep. Oh, okay. It's like sleep scheduling or something. Anyway. I believe you. Yeah. This sounds good to me. <laughs> the next person, the next next person Gus is talking to, he asks about teething pain. Like, what do you do for teething pain? And she said, two volumes. You would give the baby volume? No, no, no. Those are for me. I'd only give the baby half a volume. Ooh. And we can see him making X's on these pages. And then the third... It's just an old punk person. Oh, she's, yeah, like a goth punk. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, way to stereotype. Back to Sean and Gus. As the music fades out, we go back to Sean and Juliet walking along the beach. Are they just walking up a hill? At the, like, it looks like Juliet's struggling so. a little bit in those shoes. And I just wrote, they're by the ugliest piece of water I've ever seen. It almost looks swampy. It's such an ugly color out there. John wants to act as parents to get into the Red Balloon Nanny Agency and check out the two nannies that he had talked to at the beach because of the coach sunglasses that we were talking about earlier. And she's like, not really into it. And then he goes, Jules, you need to get your chi back. Feed your chi. Also, I didn't want to say anything, but I saw a vision of us married, and it's probably this undercover thing, but who knows? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Juliet Spencer O'Hara? She doesn't really buy into this whole marriage and kids thing. This was something that was set up by the patriarchy when wives were still considered property. But if we're going to pretend this is what our wedding was like, and then Juliet goes into so much detail... This, I think this whole part where she is talking about her wife and kid fantasies and her wedding fantasies is one of the reasons why I like this episode so much. Because that soft side of Juliet, like that soft side of Juliet is something we rarely ever see. She's always like ready to help someone. She's always ready to hug somebody, but she's never like, this is what I want. But while she's talking, she, we fade into the Red Balloon Agency, where Sean and it, or <laughs> Juliet is talking about how she is being walked down the aisle by her dad to an acapella version of James Taylor's Only One and Sean's face. And then we get the assistant who's like, um, they're ready to see you now. And I just wrote, we meet Abby Daniels. Sean and Juliet are... Mr. and Mrs. Levon Tostig, which, if it's not a reference it to is. Elton John's song, it has to be. Yeah, I don't know. It is because one line says that Alvin Tostig had a son today, and the next line says like he will be Levon. So he shall be Levon, and he shall be a good man. And when Juliet hears the name that Sean has picked for them, she makes a very similar face. To the face that John had been making while she was talking about their wedding. Oh, but little baby Millicent. I love it. I love an old timey name. 
she keeps going into all these details about Millicent and everything that Millicent needs. And Sean. We had a home birth uh, with a doula. And then after um, Levon buried my placenta in the backyard. Sean kind of and politely cuts her off and said, so do you run background checks on these nannies? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. This woman's voice is like so like relaxing like manipulative relaxing she's like i'm so glad you asked because we take your child's safety so seriously (laughs) and then she walks him into the next room to meet steve hitchcock because he is in charge of the baby bonding cameras as soon as they walk in he hides his chewing tobacco yeah his like his like little skull Mm -hmm. snuff can and he talks to them about these baby bonding cameras that they put up. They're webcams so that you can check on the nanny and your baby while you're away from the home. Not only is it good for you to be able to check in on them, but it also encourages the nannies to be responsible. And it's very nice because you set up a unique password that only you know, so you're the only one who can see the baby bonding cameras. Um, and then I wrote phone call from Gus. And Juliet continues to go into more detail about little baby Millicent's room. And she's like, so it's raspberry and sage. And then we did some striped wallpaper to really bring out the seafoam green that we did in the crown molding. And <laughs> there's something about there. I think it's in the next scene, but there's something about the curtains that Oprah did. Oh, yeah. It's okay. So Sean goes back into Abby Daniel's office to snoop on the um, files for the nannies and he finds Jeannie's and it says that one of her previous employers was the coach store. So she's a no go as far as suspects. Um, And then he goes back into the other room and Juliet is ad nauseum just continuing on this journey and she's like so what's his face was on Oprah and I totally stole his idea and I did the long flowing curtains but only on two windows even though there's four (laughs) and then and he's like um babe do you think yeah we should probably go huh and the lady's so glad to get rid of Juliet right here yeah you can just give us a call or or you could email us email us email is good too (laughs) because I don't read them um but then Juliet, on their way out, gets a call from Lassiter, and she's like, um, he wants me to go to this reptile shop? He says some of the stolen merchandise ended up there. And um, Sean's like, well, can I come? I've always wanted to see what my wife does at work. They cut to Gus, who is interviewing a- another candidate, and she seems like the perfect candidate. She's talking about all the things that that happen and then they lay down for their 45 minute nap which i chart in their sleep chart and gus is just like in love with this idea because he literally says when can you start gus loves a good chart (laughs) um we are at the reptile shop sean and jules are walking in where laster is not making very good headway with this with shop runner Mm -hmm. owner person man because he (laughs) he's not being helpful because Lassie's being Lassie, but also because Lassie's asking these questions about stuff that he's not going to notice. Like, he's used to looking at, like, fish and reptiles all day. He's like, who brought these you in? used to looking at lizards all day. People all start to look alike. So, Sean jumps in with a little psych-out moment, but he's, like, he's really meeting this guy where he lives, you know? But he clocked a discarded spit cup with, like, tobacco remnants in the trash can. So he goes, oh, okay. Was the guy roly-poly like a pufferfish? And then he's like, yes. Makes the pufferfish face just like Alexis did. And he's like, and was he red-faced like a koi fish? And the guy's like, totally. And he goes, and he spit a lot like a Komodo dragon. It's like, just like a Komodo. Juliet's like, that description, that sounds just like that Steve guy from the red balloon place. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Huh, good putting that together, Juliet. <laughs> okay, I was today years old when I realized that the 99 Red Balloon song was valid because of the Red Balloon nanny yeah. agency. I know, okay. pity me. <laughs> it's my <Yep>. turn. <laughs> I guess musical references are something that I get pretty often, but 
That would, yeah. I mean, I was like, I love this musical cue. It's really happening. This beat is everything. And the words, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Gus called again. <laughs> oh, yes. He found the perfect nanny. And don't worry, because she can start right away. Because she... Background check's always done. Because she currently works for the Red Balloon Nanny Agency. Oh, no. Sean's like, this is a mess. <laughs> um, so we are getting out of the blueberry, and as we walk behind it, we can see that the back of it says Echo. So confirmed, the blueberry is a Toyota Echo. Okay. You know, I don't want an Echo. You wanna? I'd probably get a Yaris. <laughs> Yaris is just more fun to say in my book, but. I think so, and basically they're the same shape. And airbags. You know? yeah. Airbags, am I right? They are at the agency they know that it was steve who did who was the robber but they have to know the how because they know who it was they know where it was they know what it was they know the wherewith and the where they even know the where to force <laughs> but they need to know the how and so and sean's like i need more because i'm the one who's got to psych out okay like, I have to do the breakdown, man. I need a little more to go on. I'm a psychic. I'm supposed to know it all. They go inside, and Sean introduces Gus as Shmuel Cohen. Shmuel? Shmuel Kelly. Yeah. Shmuel. Who is a Israeli composer who um, composed the Israeli National Anthem? Okay. This is not the last reference we get in this scene. He introduces him as the as his best friend and godfather to little Millicent, and he's kind of overprotective, so he's really wants to be here to check up on who might be taking charge of the care of of his precious little baby angel. Well, Steve and Abby are out right now at a home visit. They are like, we're fine waiting, and they just sit down, and she's not pleased. <laughs> she starts taking some like aspirin, some painkillers, and Sean's like, Sean picks up a toy and uses it to hide his mouth. And goes, That's a cute toy. Dude, she's got a headache. Start whistling. Start whistling something by Philip Glass. Is that what he said? Who is an American composer. Hey. <laughs> and then John just starts like hawking up some phlegm. <laughs> the receptionist is not having it. Hey, why don't you guys go wait in Abby's office? I bet you'll be more comfortable in there. You, you sure you don't mind? That's no problem? Okay. And they just kind of do it. Gus finds evidence that the guy rubs snuff um, um, tobacco. And Sean's like, can we get some new clues, please? <laughs> Sean sees these marks that on the wall around the bookcase that's in Abby's office. And he's like, dude, I think this opens. And they start, they start messing with the bookcases. Pulling every book, turning everything. And there's this little bronzed pair of baby shoes mm -hmm. on a little plinth that um, Gus kind of twists and it opens it. And that is so cool. I'm just like, I want something that does a thing to a hidden thing. They open up to a bunch of monitors where all of the feeds from the baby bonding cameras at the houses are, are showing. And... The boys start dancing and they were, they're super happy because they see all the feeds. They know how they did it. But then Sean notices that none of the houses that are up on the feed are the houses that were robbed. But then he's remembering the addresses that were written on the clear board at the security agency. And they are the neighboring houses to the nanny houses. They're so excited. They're ready. And then Sean's like, or Gus is like, let's get a warrant, let's go. And Sean said, it's going to be a little bit hard because Abby and Steve are at Chief Vic's house. And they can see it on the video monitors. And he's like, how are we supposed to get Juliet to serve them a warrant? This is kind of touchy. So he gets Jules on the phone right away. I had a big vision. Top seven of all time. <laughs> Meet me at Chief Vic's. Also, there's this like, this like Atari joystick sort of thing that... The assumption, I think, is that you can move the cameras with it, mm -hmm. which is confirmed later, but okay. Yeah. So we get to Vix. We're all getting out of our cars, and Sean's like, um, where's your baby gift? We can't just show up to Vic's house and not have a reason. 
and it's been long enough. We need to give her a baby gift. <laughs> like <laughs> The baby gifts are perfect. This was a missed opportunity for a come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That would have been perfect. What do you call the thing that Lassiter walks in the house with? I call it a wheel lock. I, I called it a car lock, but I, I knew. Okay. Like, I was like, there's a name for this, and I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he just sort of hands it to her and walks in like, here you go. Happy baby gift. Happy baby gift. <laughs> it's a rent. Juliet has a little box of TikToks. It's a rattle and a low-calorie breath freshener. Gus has the cutest little floppy bunny. But what does Sean bring to this baby? Pineapple. Again. And Number three. Number three. It's a pineapple with a bow on it, which is his, like, go-to gift, it seems like. Oh, my gosh. So they, they all walk in, and they're all kind of, like, turning in circles and, like, looking around, and, like, there's nobody else in the room at that moment. Oh, but Chief Vic kind of pulls Sean aside and apologizes for... Thank you so much. For it. I tried to... I, I knew I was a little bit a little bit um, overwhelmed when I tried to run my husband over when he left the garage door up. I was like, oh, Chief Vic. Oh, honey. But... They notice that the cameras have been installed and that, or no, Steve announces that the cameras have been installed and Abby announces that she had finally put Iris to sleep. Iris. What a, what a nice name for a baby. Gorgeous. Um, And Abby's confused because isn't his name Levon? Um. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Sean picks up another little stuffed rabbit. And said, Mr. Softy would like to say a few words. The bear snores too loud. The turtle might actually be an alien, and the monkey only wants to play pull my finger. And then Mr. Softy whispers again and said, those aren't normal cameras, are they? Well, first we look up and he goes, that's just a fan, silly. (laughs) And then all by itself, the little mr softy bunny looks in the other direction and sean follows it dramatically (laughs) and then they catch sight of those high-tech cameras that have army grade resolution and they're like what are you what are you you talking about and oh lassiter sean said lassiter go look at that (laughs) it's the extella 5400 that retails for over ten thousand dollars excuse me um it's got angles and pivots and divots. Well, maybe not divots, but that's just so fun to say. Pivots and divots and pivots and divots. <laughs> uh, why don't you give that a shot? No, no, not shots of the nannies. Like, he segues really, really well. Mm-hmm. And he said, they were all for the houses next door. And then we hear Iris start to cry. And or well, Sean she fusses hits, a little bit. Sean then hits every noisy toy on the floor. And then they all begin to whisper a full recap. Well, Sean's like, oh my god, it's like a minefield in here. All right, do you want me to do a power recap? Do it. It was a witnessless crime until it was witnessed. You have a secret panel in your office where you plan all of your robberies. You use the secret panels to access the cameras in order to case the neighbors for security alarm codes and have the ability to break in undetected. Abby said, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. And Sean said, not as ridiculous as Denise Richard playing a nuclear physicist named Christmas Jones in a Bond movie. <laughs> and then Steve's like, we gotta leave. And they're like, Mm-mm, no. Well, Abby also doesn't believe that he works for the police. She's like, oh, really? And then Chief just turns to her and goes, yes, really. He's a psychic for the SBPD, of which I am the chief. Like, excuse you, woman. You just walked into the wolf den. Lassiter and Juliet. And she, like, nods at them, like, cuff them. Yeah. <laughs> Lassiter and Juliet cuff them. And Lassiter, as he's cuffing Steve, said, Anyone ever tell you you look like a pufferfish? And then Iris really starts to cry. And he's like, sorry, but it's too late. We're back at the park, and Sean is back to eating these jelly beans. But Gus goes, I can't believe it all worked out. And Sean's like, I know. All I had to do was buy the fruit bowl assortment. Fruit bowl assortment from Garrett Bell's Jelly Bean Factory. It's delicious. So we got a delicious in this episode, too. (laughs) Gus is like, it's all going to work out. Chief Vic's nephew is transferring to a local school to go to nursing school. So in two weeks, he'll be back and she'll have back her normal nanny. So what's she going to do until then? Oh, don't worry. I took care of it. 
You mean I ran all over Santa Barbara looking for the perfect nanny and you just found one in an afternoon? We cut to Henry holding Iris and all of the female nannies are like cooing and cawing over this grandpa kind of man holding this low baby girl. You found someone who's going to meet Chief Vic's standards of responsibility for watching her child. And it's just like, of course, it's Henry, a retired detective who really knows how to work a baby. (laughs) (laughs) The implication at this point is that Iris has pooped. Because Henry starts to become aware that there is a smell. And kind of looks at Sean like, hey, are you going to come take this baby back from me? He starts calling out to Sean. Sean and Gus just turn away and start fast walking in the other direction. And Henry screams, you said five minutes! (laughs) The closing line of the episode is, I smell something really foul coming out of this thing. (laughs) Do we have anything else for this episode? Did we miss any pop culture? I'm sure I missed some pop culture references because they were... They were moving fast in this episode, but... A lot with names yeah. in this episode. And, and I'm certain there were a lot of names that I did not pick up as much as I, like, tried. It didn't happen. But three pineapples. So much Chief Vic. Three pineapples. A okay amount of Henry. A little bit of Buzz. Yay. A horrible, a delicious fist bump. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so in Chief Vic's house... After the breakdown, when people are being cuffed, we get a Mr. Softy Gus just bump. No good, you know that's right, or have you heard about Pluto, or I've heard it both ways, or anything like that. But no wait for it. In general, it was still a really good episode. And like I said at the top, like, I really do feel like this is one of my favorite episodes. If you go back and listen to early episodes of our podcast, I keep kind of referring to this episode that we're going to be watching soon, that's going to happen soon. I think it's going to happen next. It was never next. It's now. This is the episode I was talking about. I like oh, I like real okay. cheap thick. I like Juliet taking a moment to recognize herself. And I, I just like the nature of the crime. Yeah. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what some of my faves are. And I think the ones I've seen the most that I get the most excited to watch again that feel almost like movies to me, I think they're a little mm-hmm. bit later on. Yes, but I'm a big fan. This one was really fun. It didn't feel like... I took a lot of notes, but it didn't feel like I was like writing mm-hmm. the whole time like the last episode did. I just feel like I was just writing and writing and writing. And then I didn't say half yeah. of it, I'm sure, in the episode. Ooh, well, good times. <laughs> good times. I am Alexis, and she said yes, everybody. She loves me so much. And I'm Kaylee. Dude, this blows with a capital Z. And this has been... To the blueberry! Psych out. <laughs>